Welcome to another episode of Inspired Voices. My name is Oliver Riera, and this is Tiffany Williamson. Hello. Hi. Thanks for having me. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Oh, why don't you put the mic just okay. a little bit closer to you? You can pull it towards you. There you go. Um, thanks for being on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. I've always wanted to have, because you're, a, oh, why don't you tell everyone what you do first, and then we'll get into it. So that. I am Tiffany Williamson, a licensed clinical mental health therapist specializing in helping women transform their lives. Ooh, ooh la la, français. Mm-hmm. That's very specific, too. It is. I try to be. Yeah. I do. Um, is, that, um, is that because you were a mom and you wanted to do that kind of it thing? It is. Okay. It is. So the journey of motherhood was interesting for me, and it really, I would say, motivated how I do my therapy. Mm. Um, so I was a professional. Uh-huh. I've been a professional for years. I've worked since college, um, and then I became a mom. Mm-hmm. I got married, mm-hmm. and then in the midst of all of that, I started grad school, yeah. and I became a person with all of these roles. I was a mom, I was a wife, I was a student, I was a professional, and there wasn't a guidebook on that. I couldn't read a book to figure out how to balance all of these things. Ah, that's important. And it's a lot. Yeah. I motherhood, like- it was a whole thing that... There's a lot about motherhood they talk about, but there's a lot, the emotional of it, mm-hmm. that's not talked about. Right. And when I found myself now trying to do all of these roles, I wondered, how do I do this? How do I balance <laughs> it? Yeah. I feel like that's an important part of it. That's like mm-hmm. the other half of the whole thing it is. is the emotional part. It is. It's like it's if you the, can't control the emotional almost part, one of the more important pieces that's not talked about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. If you can't control that, then you're you're just you're all over hey, the place. It, it can get dark. <laughs> it can get bad. Uh, so yeah, it's it's a big piece, and it shapes how I do therapy. It shapes mm-hmm. who I see as clients, and it shapes how I help my clients. Mm, yeah, because I'm coming from a different perspective. True, true. Uh, so let's start from the beginning. Where mm-hmm. are you from? I am from Ohio, okay. Northern Ohio, right. Lake Erie. How was it growing up there? Cold. Yeah. We had real winters, um, but it was <laughs> right. fun. That's where my family is. So yeah. that's home. You mm-hmm. know, I moved here to go to college. I haven't left because it's warm and I love North Carolina, mm-hmm. but Ohio is home. Gotcha. Was mm-hmm. uh, was the kind of like the relationship between you and your parents uh, at a good level? I guess you could it say? It was. We had a really close relationship. Oh, it's nice. me, my little brother, um, and my parents. And mm-hmm. I mean, we were close. We did a lot of things together. I have very, nice. very fond memories of home life nice especially this time of year christmas yeah we're, we're big christmas people yeah. i've been told <laughs> You've been i told. think it's normal right right we're it's, big it's a habit people. now exactly yeah. and tradition and all exactly <laughs> exactly do you feel like you got a lot of your mom teachings from your mom i did i learned a lot from my mom mm, my okay. strength and how to be a confident person came from my mom because mm. i watched her do that growing up because i grew up in a town that was predominantly white mm-hmm. i'm an african-american woman um, and I think I was like one of three in my entire high school class. Wow. So it was a struggle. So everybody knew your name. Everybody knew and my mix, name. mixed you up with other, the others? No, because there was, there was so, just that small amount that okay. they could tell mm-hmm. us apart. Okay. Uh, but <laughs> it, was, it was a struggle growing up and being the only black person in a predominantly white community. Mm-hmm. Um, so my mom, she had to be really strong. She had to stand up for us at times and kind of make sure we were seen. Yeah. And that's something I try to emulate for my own kids now, mm. um, just to make sure they know that I'm there. I'm always going to have a voice. I'm mm. going to speak up. I'm going to use my words. Yeah. Growing, um, growing up when your, your mom would defend you, she would obviously defend you mm-hmm. in front of you. Oh, of course. Right. Of course, so like, absolutely. Uh, seeing that from your mom, is that something that you like 
I was like, oh, I can actually stand up for myself. Oh, 100%. Like, 100%. Yeah. Seeing her like that, uh, it shapes how I am now. Mm. I can be a very strong force when needed to be. Mm-hmm. Um, I when can it, tell. Especially when it comes to <laughs> my kids, you know, uh-huh. the people uh-huh. that I have birthed. Oh, honey. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not the one to be played with. <laughs> um, but I also can be like that in business. I'm like that as a professional, mm-hmm. which is why I'm good at my job. I like to lead. I like to be in leadership positions because I'm not afraid to be that one that's kind of stepping out. Okay. Maybe it comes from the fact that I had I was one of three black people, so I yeah. had to be the one. Um, but yeah. I'm it was, okay so it came it. from like a survival instinct then. At that point, a right? lot growing up, I would say more survival, but now it's who I am. Yeah, exactly. I would say it now it's in, an embodiment of me and my own confidence mm-hmm. because maybe before it's more fear based stepping out, like I have to do this. Mm-hmm. But whereas now, confidently, yeah, I am me. This is her. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You learn to like uh, control okay. it and stuff like that. Ex- yeah. Absolutely, right. absolutely. Yeah, that that reminds me of like when I was like, I would be like wilding out. I'm a goofy guy, you mm-hmm. know. What I mean? It's just like so I would do all these character things and like act out and stuff like that. But mm-hmm. it was always in a very wild way. Mm-hmm. And so like as I grow up, you know, you tend to learn how to use it and control it and adjust it and all exactly. Those so it's kind of use the same it for thing. your benefit. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you were growing up, mm-hmm. yeah, you went through school, you survived. What made you go? Did you go straight into like you wanted to be a psychologist? No, or, uh, if that's so the correct I term. started. Yeah, <laughs> it is, and I started in psychology. So I took an AP psych course in high school, loved mm-hmm. it, mm-hmm. and said, okay, maybe I'll major in that when I go to school. Mm-hmm. But I really wanted to go into med- medical field. Oh, I just knew I was going to be a doctor. I just knew it. I was going to go. That's what I was going to school for. Yeah. Uh, when I was looking at schools, that's what I was looking for schools that excelled and getting people from bachelor all the way up to their MD. Um, so I had applied to Michigan, University of Michigan. I had applied to Duke. Yeah. Um, and then I applied to Miami of Ohio. I applied to three schools. What um, What made you want to go to like be a doctor? I don't know. I think I had always wanted to help people. That's mm, what it is. It, okay. I've always had a. That's a big way. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and a lot of school years. Yeah. Um, but I've always wanted to help people. So as I've achieved things, I've always wanted to bring someone in, be a mentor. Mm. Um, and I think that's why I'm a therapist now because it allows me to help people in the way I truly want to help people. Mm-hmm. I quickly learned going through school and college that I did not actually want to be in anyone's hospital, cutting anyone open looking at blood. Uh, um, so I switched into... Wait, wait, hold on. Because <laughs> like, you say that, but like, is that, isn't that something that you should have uh, known earlier? Maybe. <laughs> but like I had like a come to Jesus moment. I was taking organic chemistry, mm. I think my junior year of Duke. And I was like, my heart is not in this. Mm. My motivations and how I want to help people, I can do that, but not have to put myself through all these years of schooling to do things I really have no interest in doing. Yeah. Was it like, was that like, uh, like a one specific moment that you had that It was, it was a pivotal moment because mm. like to know me is to know, like I'm very driven. And once I said I was going to be an MD, that's what I was going to do. Yeah. So for me to like make that pivot, mm-hmm. it was a big deal. Yeah. I had to sit with that for a moment. And I mean, I was young. I was, what, 19, 20, making at that point in time a life changing 
you know, pivot in my course of action. Yeah. And in those years, it's like it's a 1920. Big deal. I, mean, I mean, like it's into <laughs> the world. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it was a big deal. It was a big deal. Yeah. Yeah. That's those moments are kind of crazy when yeah. they come to you. It's like it's almost like you have no choice but to act on it. You have to be real with yourself and have those conversations and yeah. say, is this what I really want? And I said, no. Mm-hmm. So I pivoted. There you go. Happily. Yeah. I'm glad I did. Yeah. But it was a big choice back then. Yeah. You definitely seemed like the type that would uh, pivot quickly. Yeah, I did. Yeah. <laughs> it was. I didn't. And once I made that choice, I was immediately like, okay, let's shift gears. What do you actually want to do? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What does this look like? Yeah. And then was it, was it psychology that it you was, like? It was psychology. But like, and did it you, was, like once you had that realization that you needed to switch, mm-hmm. you knew it was psychology? Knew it was psychology because I had already was majoring in psychology. Oh, okay. Um, so I, it was easy just to kind of stay within that. Mm. And then it was like, okay, well maybe I'll just do grad school. Mm. Maybe was, I'll just get my PhD, yeah. become a psychologist um, and go that <laughs> route. Right. So I had already pivoted and already kind of set myself up for that. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, Duke was an amazing time. But by the time I graduated Duke, I was so done with school at that time. I did not want to go to grad school. I just wanted to be working. I just wanted to be out in the world as an adult. Yeah. So I went into a now psychology based field and working in clinical trials. Mm. Yeah. I never went to like a traditional college. Mm-hmm. So it was like a one year college mm-hmm. kind of thing. So we struck strictly you know, worked on audio engineering. Gotcha. Right. So like with four year colleges, I hear like the first two years, are, you're still taking like courses that really Absolutely. don't relate to. Absolutely. The, they're, they're called like what gen ed courses. Like everyone yeah. has to take them. Yeah. 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 That makes school mm-hmm. longer. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I feel like as with college, I feel like it's supposed to prepare you for the world more. So they should be going into the things you want to do. Absolutely. And I feel like college 18, that 18 age range, you're figuring out yourself. Mm -hmm. It's your first time for most of us away from home. So how to be an adult, Mm -hmm. how to do basic adult tasks that maybe your mom or your parents took on for you. So it's a big life changing time. And I mean, I had a a time. Yeah. And you were on your own, right? I was. Yeah. Because everyone else is in Ohio. They were all in Ohio, eight hours away. So Mm -hmm. I came eight hours to the South. It's only eight hours. Yeah. Damn. I feel like you're it's a good driver. I mean, it could be nine yeah. traffic okay. construction. But. <laughs> uh, yeah. Being on your own. Yeah. Being on your own. And that, that's that's tough. I was alone in college yeah. by myself, went through homelessness and all that oh, stuff. Wow. And, and uh, it really teaches you to grow up fast and stuff yeah. like that. Absolutely. Even if you're in a dorm, you know, and stuff like that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because, I mean, essentially, you're treated as if you're an adult. So you go mm. from this home where you're a child Mm -hmm. you may be 18 but you're a child at home and then you're thrown into adulthood and you're forced to no one's making you go to class Mm -hmm. you go to class on your own time nobody's telling you when to eat nobody's telling you when to go to sleep or to do your homework yeah so you're really very much in that adult facing role and i loved it i i I just loved to be able to take control of my life so Ah. being able to do that was wonderful to me it fits into my personality i loved it so you were like i'm gonna focus on this and da 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 no no parties well i'm sure well i didn't say all that (laughs) let's not let's not get ahead of ourselves (laughs) right right you're still young you're still young still 18 in in north carolina (laughs) but very still focused on what i wanted to do with my life right right yeah um did you ever take your experience of like, were you aware that you were by yourself and and you had to grow up 
in that era. Absolutely. And so like that, I guess that kind of like translated it well, translated well um, with your psychology classes and all that stuff. It did. It did because our psych classes kind of take you through the stages of growth and development and the mental growth and development. So it really did. It kind of laid the foundation for it. So it seems like everyone should be taking a psychology class. I would recommend it at least a couple. (laughs) Can't hurt. Yeah. Yeah. To learn about your mental health. Mm hmm. So was it the emotional state that you really wanted to focus on? Is that why the big switch happened? I mean, besides the blood and the cutting. And also, where did I see my life? Did I see myself working long hours in a hospital? Would that make me happy? Mm -hmm. And I knew I wanted to have a family. I knew I wanted to have kids. And I knew I wanted to be present. So it's one thing to have a family, have kids. But I knew I wanted to be hands-on. I wanted to be able to go to the PTA meetings, be able to meet with the teachers. I wanted the teachers to know my name. And I knew with being an MD, I may not always have that opportunity. Mm. And I wasn't okay with it. Yeah. So I wanted to be able to have a job in a position that allowed me the flexibility to be present. Mm. That for me was big because my parents are present and I understood the impact of being able, I was a big track runner and being able to look out in the stands and always knowing my one of my parents was going to be there, if not both of them. Mm-hmm. It made an impact. Even if I had a bad track meet, et cetera, just knowing that my parents were there and having their support was such a big deal that I wanted to make sure when I had my own kids, mama's always going to be there. Yeah. yeah. You were a track star? I would say I was. well that was an office in high school right it was yes i did not continue in college i did not have the uh decorum i guess to want to run college sports i had Uh, no interest gotcha well yeah i could tell because like you're you're the leader type right and you're the strong type which makes for a good uh um athlete it does it does it does Mm -hmm. and hopefully those things go into my sons (laughs) because i'm sure it's in the blood (laughs) it's in the blood has to be yeah uh so how was the psychology for you psychology was great once you made that switch i mean it's like a whole new it was like pretty much this is it yeah this is what you want to do it makes me happy Mm. learning about mental health cognitive health how to better Mm. oneself self-care um how to heal yeah how to go through things but then come out on top that kind of stuff excites me Mm. you know and then working with people and helping them and seeing them cross that bridge from hurt or a sad dark place to finally finding joy again that brings me joy Ah, so you were the friend that everyone came to I was. We call that the strong friend. Oh, yes. The strong, <laughs> the strong friend. friend. But yes, <laughs> I am. I am. I would say the friend or the family member mm. that will get that call because I do like to be more optimistic. Some say I'm a little op- too optimistic, but yeah. I understand how you can get from point A to point B and it can be hard and the journey can be long, mm-hmm. but you can get to the other side. Yeah. Yeah. You got a strong sense of self-awareness. So like being in that position uh, if it's if it's appreciate it yeah absolutely um damn hold on one second i just got oh that's a nice ring thank you damn <laughs> <laughs> that shit blinded me for a second uh well i i really like your energy i really do like from the moment i first saw you i was like you got a sense of this big energy but but it's not like wild okay. and like overwhelming yeah. or anything like that you know what i mean so I know we talked a little bit about like spirits and yes. stuff like that. But what was it that you you said you like the type of so I it's, what it's more called. like a knowing. A knowing. So 
Um, I grew up very religious. So yeah. my family is a uh, Christian. Mm. So in the Christian world, we call it being like a discernment. Like you just have an extra sense of knowing. Oh. An extra sense of, gotcha. mm, you're not telling me the truth. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, you can kind of read people very easily. Yeah. You know, you may come into the room and say, oh, I'm fine. But I'm the type of person to say, are you really fine? <laughs> yeah, and, those and, people. They always get me. <laughs> always. I, uh, my, my clients will come in and they'll be like, oh, I'm having a good day. But I can tell, mm. are you having a good day? And then there mm. we go. Let's it, talk about it. Is it like an energy shift that you see it is because i'll feel your energy so Mm. you may come in with a smile on your face but your eyes are telling me you had a rough rough time yeah Yeah. and that's what i want to talk about i don't want to talk about that fake smile because i know it's fake you know it's fake Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. let's talk about what's really going on yeah Mm. so i'm an energy shifter because Mm. if you come in with that energy you're not necessarily going to leave with that energy because I'm we're going to work in it we're going to i'm going to figure out what's what's bringing you down oh interesting. let's talk about it yeah, get to the root of the problem, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, that's how you heal. That's how you shift that energy that's as you're getting you to shift. the root. Yeah, yeah, that's how you get through it. Because my ultimate goal is healing. Mm-hmm. My ultimate goal is for you to see the light at the end of the tunnel. And mm-hmm. if you can't see it and you're honest with that, let's work there. Yeah, let's and get you to that. It's point. also that awareness mm-hmm. that people need too. Do Absolutely. you feel like you do? You feel like uh, a lot of people you're just bringing awareness to them. Absolutely, that's all it is, really, right? All it is. I'm not telling you anything that you may not already know, but sometimes mm-hmm. you're ignoring it. Mm. or you don't want to hear it mm-hmm. sometimes it's that or maybe you're not ready to That's embrace it so all i'm doing is i sometimes just putting the mirror back on you i'm yeah. not telling you anything groundbreaking that you already don't know yeah that reminds me of uh one of my friends he, he calls me his like i'm his mentor mm-hmm. that's what he says but but all I do is just kind of throw it back on him. I'm like, should I be doing this and this and this? And I was like, I don't know. Should you think you should be doing that? <laughs> People know. If you give them a chance, they they know. They know their truth. Yeah. Yeah. It's just about trusting yourself. Honestly. It is. Yeah. I learned that a lot about like when, when, I, when I was a professional actor. You got to learn how to trust your skills mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And, and that translates so well into the life as well. It does. It does in all aspects of life. Yeah. And, you know, people still have their moments. I still have my moments. Just 100%. like now, you know. A hundred percent. hundred percent. I mean, we're still humans. Yeah. And we're still living this thing called life. Mm-hmm. And there's a bunch of curveballs. And just because you pass one test doesn't mean you're ready for that next test. Yeah. So. That's true. Do you feel like, um, I guess you get, a, you get a sense of, because huh, like you're healing people, right, in a way. And, well, that's only, that's what you're doing. Yeah. Um, but when is... I always wonder this. When is the end? Is there an end? There is an end. And I even say this. I don't want you in therapy for years on end. Because that means I'm not doing my job. Oh. And that also means you're not doing your job. Hmm. You're fighting against something. That's interesting. The purpose of therapy is for you to heal whatever that is that you're coming to therapy with. Or to grow. Mm. Learn to set boundaries. You're trying to fix things usually what people come to therapy because they want to fix something yeah um something is now they've deemed broken however that be whether it's your relationship whether it's a your inner self Mm. whether it's you know i'm struggling balancing things like i mentioned all the different hats and stuff you're wearing Mm -hmm. and my goal is to help you figure that thing out Hmm. and it's not something it should take a year two years 
Not to mean that the thing you aren't going through isn't going to take time because it will. Sure. The, every journey is different. They're going to take an, a, I can't tell you how long you're going to be in therapy, but my goal is not to keep you there forever because I want to see the benefits of our therapy sessions. Mm. I want to see change. You want to see change. I want you to see change too. Yeah. And oh. the longer you work with me, you will see that shift mm. by default because we're going to get down to the nitty gritty. We're going to talk about it. Gotcha. Damn. I didn't know that. I thought it was like a kind of like people just go on. A people do basis. check in and I recommend that because mm -hmm. again, just because you accomplished one situation, you don't know that next situation you're going to accomplish and how you may react to it. Mm -hmm. So you may need to check up. You may need to come back for mm -hmm. another six months to a year, but we're not going to keep working on the same issue years in and years out. Yeah. Mm -mm. That's like that friend that always nags about the yeah, same thing. Yeah. After a certain point, you got to say, hey, <laughs> either going to leave them or you not. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's funny. Yeah. I've only been to therapy um, twice in my mm -hmm. life and it's only like one session each. Oh, wow. Um, and it was with a spiritual therapist. Okay. Uh, so, you know, I, I'm the type of person that really just learns on my own. Okay. Um, and so, but these two times that I've been there, uh, I, I just didn't know how to get past it. Mm. And so that's why I went in. Mm -hmm. um, but I thought that I was doing therapy the wrong way because I was supposed to go you know, mm -hmm. a multiple times mm -hmm. and all that stuff. But mm -hmm. that's good to know that I was like, if it's, it's only it when you need it. the wrong right? way. Mm -hmm. But I would say it would take more than one session because oh, yeah. it's going to take me more than one session to get to know someone. Mm -hmm. You're not going to be your most vulnerable self with me. I'm just now introducing myself. Yeah. You have to give the relationship time to get to a place where then you can start doing the work because mm -hmm. you're not going to just bear open your most vulnerable secrets and you just met me. You yeah. have to get to trust me. I guess so. So that way, I'm not. I'm not that type of person, together. though. <laughs> like, I, I go in. I, I tell you everything. You know what I mean? Like, and, and some clients are like that. But even then, sometimes the stuff you're going in and telling your therapist requires a couple sessions to talk through. Sure. Because you may deem it as not important, but the therapist is like, "Wait, but this leads to this and this, this and this, and this uh, covers your action here." And we're not going to say all that in one session. Mm -hmm. I'm going to need a couple sessions to make sure what I'm hearing and what you're saying, they're lining up. Mm, so you okay. have to, you also have to give the therapist time to do therapy. Yeah. I guess that makes sense. Yeah. I, I, I think I was just too much of a figure it out on your own type of person. Yes. You know? But that's cool that you do that. I think it's important to do, especially with moms. Yes. Um, so when you, you went through psychology. You got mm -hmm. your Drake degree in that. Mm -hmm. What was the next step for you? Because you, you just said that you didn't want to continue. Yeah, I was, I was done for school with, for a minute. Yeah. So I went straight into work field. Um, okay. I got a job around psychology based, working clinical trials, managing clinical trials. Was it your, what did you get? A bachelor's degree? I got a bachelor's. Okay, gotcha. Yep, got a bachelor's. Um, and Duke has an, a wonderful alumni network, was able to quickly get a job still within my field nice. um and now i'm working in clinical trials so i'm helping people mm -hmm. on the different side mm -hmm. we're now using drugs to say um, you know can i help you cure alzheimer's or parkinson's disease or bipolar disorder so it introduced a different aspect mm. of this whole helping thing interesting because it introduced me to a lot of these diseases firsthand mm. or these uh, mental health struggles and how people deal with them yeah. How they affect lives um, and the realities of what's out there to offer them help. 
Was that something that you wanted to do? Like, I know, like. I didn't know the field existed until. Gotcha. I knew. But it was an option for you, right? When you were. I didn't know. I I didn't even know you could work in clinical trials like that. I guess Uh I never thought about it in school. Because, I mean, in school, you're thinking the bigger tracks. Yeah. Medical, go to grad school, get your PhD. You're not thinking, so what do I do with this degree? Mm. But I wanted to do something within my degree. Knew I wanted to help. That field interests me. Mm. I mean, it's all within, you know, figuring out life. So I wanted to know more. So when I got that job and was able to start learning clinical trials, I'm like, this aligns. Yeah. This aligns. Because so you're helping, but in a different way. Mm-hmm. You're not We're, face-to-face. You're more behind the scenes. Yeah. Okay. So you didn't actually, like, see the people. No, no. At that point, you're interacting more with the hospitals. You're interacting oh. with the doctors. Okay, you're interacting gotcha. with the people giving the drugs and giving the medications or the different behavioral modification yeah. systems. Okay. Yeah. That's got to be... Is that was that tough at some some points? Because like you know, not every drug drug is a good drug, even though it's out there. You know what I mean? It tough, not necessarily tough, but you get to see firsthand how these drugs get from point A to point B, mm. and you get to be able to then recommend to family members when they're going through different things. Oh, maybe you should try this, or I can read the research and know. Okay, well, this drug is actually doing something versus maybe we should wait a minute. Maybe yeah. we should let some more drugs come out. So it helped in the sense that you're kind of learning the industry of which you're working in because you have to think in therapy, there's also the medication aspect of it, depending on what you're coming with. You may be coming with, you know, bipolar, ADHD, et cetera, and maybe on some medication, there's depression medications. Mm. So as a therapist, I feel like it gave me a leg up because I understand both sides. Mm. I'm not just the face to face. I also understand understand mm-hmm. um the aspect of if you are on you know an ssri or you're on like a zoloft how that may impact your life mm. in both ways you know and i kind of work in concert together yeah i don't see one better than the other mm-hmm. i think it depends on people's situations and what they're actually going through but i think it it helped me honestly and all of it to me i see it as a, as a part of the helping industry some people would say there's so many drugs out there, but we should be going like natural or mm-hmm. something like that. And obviously some people need medication. Right. 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 Um, but do you think the being on both sides, mm-hmm. do you feel like there is um, the majority of the people could be better off with something more natural or more like meditation or those type of things? I think it depends on the person. Mm-hmm. And I also think it depends on what they're going through, their culture, because a lot of times in this society, we're so used to just taking a drug and moving it with our day. Yeah. The talk therapy is the new thing. It's talk having ther- oh. the therapist is the more, ooh, um, especially I would say in different cultures. So, for mm-hmm. example, in the African-American culture, therapy is just now becoming something that's more normalized, I would say. For a long time, if you said you went to therapy, it was like, ooh. Yeah, you were looked at. What's, what's going on with you? <laughs> right. You really got something going on. Um, to where now I'm hoping with my presence in the therapy field, I can help normalize like, no, you can come to therapy because life is going great and you just want to make sure life continues to go great, mm-hmm. you know, or you're really struggling with maybe the death of a loved one or you got out of a really bad relationship and you just can't pick up the pieces. Mm-hmm. Um, I know a lot of times in the African-American community, we go sh- just straight into let's just pray about it. Let's. Um, And you bring in the religious aspect, Mm -hmm. which is good. Mm -hmm. Nothing wrong with that. But 
also sometimes you may also need someone just to lend you a safe space and a helping hand to say, look, sis, I'm sitting in this with you. Mm. Let's talk about it. Yeah. Let's talk about it. I know you miss them. I know you had a breakup with them, but you miss them. Let's talk about it. Yeah. And in a safe, neutral space, because sometimes you can talk about that with your friends, but we're biased. Mm. If you hurt my friend, I'm not going to be I'm not going to be neutral towards you. I'm not going to be able to always hear you say, well, I miss being with him. I might be like, girl, why? You know, because I'm your friend. I care about you. I care about your feelings. But as a therapist, I'm more neutral. Gotcha. What is it about him that you miss? Do you miss him or do you miss that feeling? Mm. And we're able to really work through. And that's where the healing comes in. Yeah. You know, whereas a lot of people don't have that safe space just to have that conversation. And that's where the motherhood aspect comes in, because there really isn't a safe space to just yell out into the world like, hey, this is hard. Because, you know, the world teaches us you need to be grateful. You are a mom. Right. You brought life into the world. You should just be so happy. <laughs> and you are. Uh -huh. But you also have all this emotional stuff that you're then trying to regulate. And sometimes you just want to say, hey, this is hard. And yeah. you maybe need to sit with another mom that gets it, that yeah. you don't have to explain. And that's okay, too. Oh, right? absolutely. Like, Both things are true. Yeah. You can love it and it can also be hard. Right. And, and yeah, it's okay yeah. to be depressed. It's okay to be where you 100%, 100%. are. 100%. 100%. Yeah. I always, I always said that. I, mean, I think it's important. I think people shame the negative and or, or sad, depressed emotions mm -hmm. and think that it's a bad thing. Right. When it's not. It's honestly, I, th I take it as it's a transition in your life. It is a transition. And it's a, it's a transition of where you can go from uh, something that gr lets you grow or something that you could let it take you down. Exactly. And that's where therapy comes in because I want to make sure that depression that you're sitting in isn't holding you down so much that you can't get out of it because mm. it can feel like that. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you need somebody just to put their hand there and say, let me help you yeah. bring you up out of this hole. Yeah. And a lot of times I feel like it's just, they just need to say it out loud. Just or that. <laughs> and they need a, a safe space to it. say it out loud, uh -huh. you know, and maybe these depressed feelings are coming from their relationship. So they can't necessarily tell their partner, you're making me depressed because of X, Y, and Z, mm -hmm. but they need to get it out. Yeah. They need to talk about it. So that way their mind can then, okay, so what do I do with this information? Yeah. You know? I feel like calling it out really does things oh, justice. Yeah. Words like, have power. Exactly. Like I get, I still get anxiety from time to time mm -hmm. and stuff like that. And especially like socially and mm -hmm. stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And so, um, but I find myself when I'm in those uh, situations, if I call myself out in front of everybody, Ooh. then it just releases that pressure off my yeah, shoulders. Yeah, that would. And That's then I powerful. can continue on. Yeah. Yeah. But getting there is like hundred percent. Because once you put a voice to it, it no longer is overpowering you. Mm. What you did in that moment is you took your authority back. Yeah. That's what you did. So therefore, that anxiety has to lessen because now I'm taking back my confidence. I'm taking back my authority in that moment and saying, no, I'm going to own this moment instead of my anxiety owning this moment. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Do you feel like, um, when people have like anxiety and stuff like that, mm -hmm. or they have depression, uh, do you feel like it's a, a it's something that they're always going to be have, uh, they're always going to have. It doesn't have to be, uh -huh. but I would say you name two things where you actually have to work at making sure that's not, that doesn't become an always. Mm -hmm. Anxiety is one of those things where you have to work at it because um, anxiety can present itself in a lot of different ways. True. It can be the voice in your head telling you negative things. It can be like a social thing where it blocks you from speaking in public. 
Um, and you have to actively work at your anxiety to make sure it doesn't overpower you. Yeah. <laughs> I remember but like a few years back, mm-hmm. like I would, uh, I always told myself I'm going to grow. I'm going to be a different person every single month. Mm-hmm. And I feel like, and I had to like heal through a lot of like mm-hmm. generational trauma and all these yes. bad habits that I grew up with and stuff yes. like that. And, and I was like, I'm going to, you know, fix every single one of those things. And uh, with that came all the anxiety, but mm-hmm. I knew it was only temporary. Yeah. And I think that knowing that got me there faster, got gotcha. me through it faster. Something like that. So, yeah. I mean, we as humans, we aren't monoliths. We come with many different histories and cultures. And a lot of it comes down to how you were raised. There's mm-hmm. a lot of tie-in to just your childhood. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and and it comes out in so many ways as an adult that you wouldn't think it would come out. Mm. But it does. It'll affect your relationship with you have with your intimate partner. And you would think to yourself, well, how is me being raised affecting my relationship? But it, it will. Yeah. Yeah. Or how you raise your kids. Like your childhood is probably one of the most important things that happened to you mm. um, at such a young age that if you don't heal from those things, it will continue to impact the rest of your life until you do. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. And then it's just, that's when the, you're going to pass that on to your kid. Absolutely. As well. Absolutely. And then there comes the mental burden of, I don't want to pass this on to my kids. So mm. sometimes I'll see clients that are like, oh, wow. I have to now parent my kids. I have to then unparent, unlearn all the things that I learned Mm -hmm. and be this other person that I don't know how to be. So where do I start? Yep. Yep. Uh, That's another reason why I try to heal myself as much Mm -hmm. as possible is because, you know, when I have kids, I don't want to pass this on and stuff like that. So I was aware of Mm -hmm. that, that I was doing that. Uh, So you went into clinical trials. And then what was next up for you? So clinical trials, I decided, I think I might like therapy. I don't know. Okay. So I did this. like Why why that thought though? Because you went into psychology. I did, but I wasn't sure if therapy was a thing. Like, did I want this in person, Mm. face to face? Like, because I mean, you're going into people's stuff. Yeah. And you have to be mentally ready for that because you never know what. The stuff, it may be that day. It may be something very traumatizing uh, or it may be something light. You never know. Mm-hmm. Um, and you have to be ready to be that saving hand. Um, and as much as I like psychology, I was like, okay, is this what I want to do? Am I mentally ready mm. to handle that? Ah. You know, um, because That's when they're sp- unloading and getting it, like you're that person that they're dumping it on, for you know, per se. Right. It doesn't really feel like a dump, but I'm now the safe space for you to get it out so we can start to work on it. Mm. Um, so mentally, you have to make sure you're you're sound. Mm. You know, if I'm having an off day, I can't think about that in session because for that hour long session, my focus needs to be on you and what you're telling me and how I can help you pick back up those pieces. Yeah, it's an, it's emotional. You have to be emotionally strong, yourself. emotionally strong. <laughs> and then you also need to know how to let it go at the end of the day. Mm, because I still have a life. My kids don't care about nothing that I have going on. Mm -hmm. They see me as mom and that is it. So I need to make sure I'm able to put back on my mom hat, step into that and not think about anything else that happened throughout the day. Okay. So what was the, uh, what what was the decision there? 
So I was just like, let me just step a toe in. So mm. NC State had like a few courses where you can just kind of see if you like therapy, if it sure. was for you. I did that, loved it, fell in love with it. Really? And I was like, this is it. What about it? The ability to change lives. Ooh. The ability, because the thing is, I realize I do this anyway. When my friends call me, when my family calls me, I'm sitting here, they are pising them anyway. Yeah. <laughs> So let me actually learn what I'm doing. Mm. Let me learn the power behind my words. Let me learn those things. And in the midst of all that, because I had never been to therapy myself mm. prior to that point. Um, but in school, they mandate it. You have to go to therapy. So I went to the therapist for the first time and I was like, wow. Because I was working on things that I didn't think were problems. Mm. So how many people have things so like, oh, I've healed from that. I'm, I'm done with it that are actually still affecting them to this day because they actually have not healed that thing. Mm. So to me, that was powerful. Yeah. I was like, wow. You get change perspectives. It did. It shifted me. So I wanted to be able to then be that space to mm. be able to shift other people. Mm. Um, so, and in school you work with everyone. You don't have like a certain niche per se that you will after. So I work, you know, with everyone, heard all types of things and was I said, this is for me. Yeah. Was there like um, a specific maybe type of problem that somebody had that really made you interested? I would say whenever I was talking to my um, female clients mm. and just kind of hearing them going through and being able to just kind of link up in sisterhood and just mm. be like, hey, you're not alone. Sometimes just hearing you're not alone is enough for someone to kind of put their burdens down. Yeah. You know, and just to see those transformations in that hour long session to say, wow, I remember when you first came to see me and now six weeks later, you have a smile that's genuine. Yeah. It wasn't there when I saw you. Honestly, you know? like a therapist is like a teacher. You are. <laughs> you are. You're kind of teaching them and but also allowing people to learn their truths because mm -hmm. again i'm not telling you or advising you in any way you're coming up with your own truths but sometimes you need that quiet space to figure it out mm. i like that mm -hmm. um what how long was that program I guess. uh so it was like two and a half years damn masters um so did that but oh so you got your master's that was I do. your master's yes. program yeah okay. that was a master's program um, so after that point, you become an, a licensed associate, mm -hmm. you're able to practice, um, and you're able to start seeing clients and really kind of working therapy how you want to, yeah. in the sense that you niche down, mm -hmm. maybe you don't want to see, um, certain clients, maybe you want to focus just on children, or I just want to focus just on seeing elderly clients or et cetera. Yeah. So you kind of figure out where, where's my heart leading me. Mm. Um, and I know for me around that same time, like I said, I had my firstborn, mm -hmm. um, I'd went through pregnancy and postpartum. And I remember thinking like, there's so much about this. That's the emotional mental mm -hmm. that no one talks about that women, moms that have already done this have went through yeah. and kind of suffered in silence. Mm -hmm. I wasn't okay with that. I was like, look, I want to talk to other moms and let them know you're okay. It's okay. And just give them that space. So for me, I knew quickly I wanted to talk to other moms. I wanted to talk to other people that were also trying to balance 
all types of roles in life. So being a professional, being a wife, being a mom, being a a daughter, Mm -hmm. being the strong friend, the one that everyone thinks has it all together. I wanted to be that space for that person Mm -hmm. that was like, hey, I'm trying to do everything and be an all star. Mm -hmm. But sometimes I'm not doing my best. Sometimes I'm losing at all the things that I'm trying to do. Yeah. And offer them a space to just talk about it, get it out. Because they still deal with hurt and pain and trauma. And while people may think, oh, they got it all together. She's fine. She's good. She's always strong. That person still has stuff they're dealing with. That's why they say check on your strong friend. (laughs) Hey, amen. And this is my therapy is the check on the strong friend. Mm. Come sit in my couch. Let's talk about it. What's what's really going on with you? Mm -hmm. You know, I know you're doing everything for everybody else. But how are you? Mm. How are you doing today? Are you good? You went straight into that? Sometimes. Okay. Gotcha. I do. Yeah. Sometimes. Because like, you know, when sometimes when, when you know, when people get their degrees and mm-hmm. they kind of like do it more of a broad at mm-hmm. first and mm-hmm. to find their niche, but you seem Oh, yes. To go. I, so yes. To answer that question, yes, I went straight into it because I knew where my heart was and I knew where the need was because mm. there wasn't one, there wasn't that space. Two, there's not many in that space that look like me. Right. And the black mortality rate of pregnant women is about 35% higher than every other race. So it matters. We matter. So our mental health heading into that hospital room, Mm. heading into those doctor's offices, what we need as we're pushing or getting a C-section looks a little bit different. We have to advocate for ourselves a lot differently. Mm. And I wanted to make sure as a therapist, I had a space where I was able to help moms as they're going through one of the most life-changing experiences you'll ever have. Mm-hmm. Damn. That's important. Very. <laughs> Very. Yeah. Uh, so, but that's, you had your first kid when you got your- I had my first master's. kid before I started my master's. Okay, so, so I got pregnant, um, and then in the midst of my pregnancy, forgot that I had applied to grad school. <laughs> like you know had other things going on yeah yeah um and then they were they wanted to have an interview with me and I was like oh my god I applied to grad school and now I'm pregnant I'm have a kid mm. um but it worked out <laughs> it like all came together it worked out so as I'm literally my son is three months I'm starting grad school mm-hmm. I'm a wife at this no I'm engaged at this point in time mm-hmm. so I'm a fiance I'm still a prof- uh still a professional so I'm putting on all these hats immediately. And I was like, this is a lot. Yeah. No, nobody, nobody talked about this. And I'm a book reader. So I'm going to read something down. If I have any questions, mm-hmm. I'm going to research, 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 research. So I read everything about the nine months of pregnancy and what postpartum looks like. Nowhere in the book does it talk about the emotional weight of what motherhood. Really? Nowhere. No one talks about it. That's wild. And... It's a big thing because as soon as you become a mom, it becomes part of your identity in a Mm -hmm. way that it is overarching. It almost removes your individual identity because I'm a mom first and then I became Tiffany. And it doesn't always have to be that way, but that's how it becomes immediately. Because as soon as the baby is in the world, everything becomes about the baby. People stop checking on you. Mm -hmm. How's the baby doing? Mm -hmm. Oh, how's the baby, you know? And then eventually they'll be like, oh, how are you? How are, are you okay? Yeah. <laughs> but by that point, hours went by, you yeah. know? So that motherhood 
role just kind of it envelops you mm. and you can get lost in it quickly um, and it can get very um, what's the word I'm looking for it can be kind of isolated you can feel kind of lonely in that because again you, the world says you should be very grateful you just had this healthy baby you got through labor and delivery aren't you so happy you have this baby mm-hmm. and you are but the mental weight of wow, my life has just shifted. I went from being an independent mm. person, you know, in a relationship with a partner, what have you, but an independent self to now I have to take care of someone who can't take care of themselves. I am a mom. People see me as a mom first. They stop seeing me as Tiffany. Where did Tiffany go? Yeah. You know, and you're just thrown into it. The hospital hands you your baby and that's it. You're thrown yeah. into it. You're thrown in the diapers and waking up every two hours. You don't get that breath of air. No one's, you know, asking you, how are you doing? And really being serious about that. They're just asking you as like a courtesy, but they really want to know about the baby. And you need to be like, oh, I'm good. I'm handling it. Mm -hmm. When in reality, you may not be. Interesting. Do you feel like you were ready for that type of uh, uh, those type of clients? Yes. Even though, I mean, you had your one year old, right? Yes. Well, by the time I graduated, I now had two. So I'd been through oh. this whole stage twice. Oh, okay. Okay. So Question. yeah. Yeah. I was, yeah. I always tell my friends and anyone that gets pregnant around me, like, oh, I'm gonna keep it real with you. You <laughs> want to know the real of being pregnant and postpartum? Oh, I'll tell you. Okay. I'll give you the real stuff you're not going to find in a book. Yeah. But you absolutely need to know. Damn. You know. You got a lot, a lot of knowledge in there. Well, hey, I had to go through it a couple times. Mm-hmm. So And I'll even get to the nitty gritty. Let's talk about how relationships are impacted by motherhood or like, you know, we'll talk about those things and I'll give Mm. those little tidbits to my friends and my family. Mm. So they're not going in blind. Mm, Yeah, that's a big one. So and and also so they know, hey, if I get into this and it gets hard, I can call Tiffany. She ain't going to have no judgment. She's going to be like, yep, it's it's okay, It's cool. You got it. Mm -hmm. Um, With postpartum. Mm -hmm. um, How common is that? Very common. Very common. And it's what? Why does it? Why does it happen? I don't know too much about it. So you, the mental weight of it. No one tells you at that moment everything that you're used to. So mm-hmm. pre kids, you're used to getting up and going. You're used to laying out your schedule. Mm-hmm. That literally changes the second that baby is now in your arms. Mm-hmm. Your day is dictated by a little seven eight pound baby, and in that you lost yourself because you're not eating like you used to. You're trying to feed gotcha. the baby. So if you're breastfeeding or even formula, whatever works for you, you're you're getting into the groove of that. The baby can't communicate with you. Mm-hmm. They're only communicating by cries. Right. So you don't know if they're hungry, if they're hot, if they're just uncomfortable. So they're crying. You have a relationship that you've now neglected. So your partner is just like, hey, I'm here. I don't even have time to be thinking about what you got going on over there because yeah. I'm trying to keep this baby alive. I'm trying to care for myself because after birth, a woman is healing. Mm. Your body is now went through a very big thing. It's a big, big thing. If you yeah. went through a C-section, an even bigger thing because you now been cut open. So you're trying to heal. And, and plus, now I got to be super mom because society tells us as soon as my baby is here, I got to step up. I got to be all the mom. I can't be slacking. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're sacrificing your food, your sleep. Hmm. So a lot of times you're not doing anything that makes you feel like you. Yeah. And it's very easy at that time. Also, your hormones are going crazy. 
So the things that would normally maybe stop you from feeling depressed or anxious, your hormones are going crazy. Mm. You you don't you no longer have that ability to gauge yourself. Yeah. So postpartum is is serious, it's real, and it's not that hard, or I guess to say it another way, it's more common than what even is talked about. Do you feel like maybe the because if if the husband is there, mm-hmm. do you feel like maybe him playing a role of you know having taking care of the baby mm-hmm. a little more so she could have more space? Mm-hmm. You think that'll help postpartum? Yes and no. So it will help eventually. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say it's usually husbands that's going to notice you're having a little postpartum first before you. Because they're going to know you mm-hmm. yeah. and you're not going to be <laughs> acting like you, but you're going to not act like you in such a way that your husband is going to say mm. something is off. Because mm-hmm. um, usually I hear from the husbands first. Right. Something, something's a little off. And then I'm like, OK. And then I know what questions to ask the wife or to say, maybe maybe we got a little bit of postpartum depression or anxiety. Um, but yes, help having a village when you have an infant is key. But as a mom. One of the first things you're going to have to learn is how to release, relinquish control. And that's so hard to do because your natural instincts is going to tell you, I have to care for this baby. This baby is mine. Like, yeah. I, I am the only one that can care for this baby. And you have to let your husband come in and help you. Yeah. So, yeah. yes, having a helpful, helpful husband, partner, spouse in this, 100%, please. It seems like, uh, you know, knowing that, do you feel like, I feel like, I don't know, wives even fathers in general or to be fathers to Mm -hmm. be wives Mm -hmm. i mean to be mothers yeah um should maybe prep themselves before they have the baby mentally absolutely and that's where the therapy comes in that's where i recommend that because Mm. you need to have these conversations with your partner prior to the baby getting here Let's just, I mean, it can be something basic as, can you just do the dishes every day? Mm -hmm. So the mental load of the dishes, I'm not thinking about. Or um, a big one I always talk about is sleep schedules. Who's a night person in the relationship? Who's a morning person? Mm -hmm. Talk about that. Because at some point in time, both of you are going to need to sleep. Yeah. And what you don't realize is that when the newborn is here, you guys may not be going to sleep at the same time. Mm. So if I'm the night person, I'll do do the night shift. But then at 3, 4 a.m., let's switch off. Gotcha. You take the baby, let me go to sleep and get in uninterrupted sleep for two or three hours, mm. you know? So it's simple conversations like that, that you don't think about. Yeah. Especially with, if it's your first one until you're in it. Mm. And by then you're not articulating yourself in the nicest way is what I always tell my clients. You may think you're saying things nicely to your partner. You're not because you're not sleeping. You're mm. both frazzled. you both have this human. You don't really understand it he's trying to learn he or she is trying to learn you guys and you guys are trying to learn Mm -hmm. the baby so you're not able to articulate things and say it in the nicest way like honey can you please you know make sure i I eat Mm. you may be like i'm hungry (laughs) (laughs) and it just may be like you're already hangry yeah um especially if you're breastfeeding and you're using your body to feed the child you're running through calories way faster oh i don't know so you're hungrier right you need to drink a lot of water to make sure you have enough milk. Mm-hmm. Um, so is, there's a lot of conversations and things that need to be had in relationships prior to having the baby. And also you need to know the other person. Yeah. I'm a big proponent of always saying, don't 
have a baby to save a relationship. If your Oof. relationship was not, I mean, I mean, we're going to go there. Yeah. If your relationship was not where it needed to be prior to having a baby, yeah. the baby is only going to amplify all of those negative things. Yep. The lack of communication, trust or whatever. Mm-hmm. It takes it to a whole new level. Whole right? new level. If, yeah. if anything, you just threw a nuke on your relationship is what you're going to do. Mm. And you've only sped up what was probably always going to happen with yep. you guys not being together. So don't do that. <laughs> no. Know your partner beforehand. Y'all have a good foundation and space beforehand. So that way when you get both get to the trials of having a baby, because I mean mm-hmm. for a man too, if it's his first time, you guys are just like, I want to help. How do I help? How do I help? You know? Mm-hmm. And we won't know as a first time mom, you're like, I don't know how I need you to help, but be there. Mm-hmm. Even if it's just simple as we're both in the trenches together. Yeah. You know? But Again, we're both then going to be moving without sleep. Yeah. And we're both then going to be, you know, a little bit more frazzled. Mm-hmm. Um, so you want to have your relationship in a place where y'all both can communicate. Mm. So after a hard day, you can be like, whoo, that was a hard day. Yeah. Let's talk about it. Right. Or I got a little overstimulated today. How do you feel? Yeah. You know, and be able to call the thing the thing. Like, I'm not mad at you. I'm just overstimulated. Right. Yeah. I think that's something me and Sybil do. Yeah. Well, because like at the end of the day, even if we always like mm-hmm. have like, we call it pillow talk mm-hmm. and uh, we just talk about our day and stuff like that. And uh, when we're having a little bit of frustration or anything like that, we always at some point, one of us would come, you know, and, you know, call it and out. And that's good. You, and you have to, because yeah. sometimes what happens in relationship is you then become the closest persons to me. You become my safe space, but you also know my triggers. Mm. You also can irritate me faster than some random person I don't care about. If mm. I love you, I care about you. Yeah. So therefore, you have to call it like, oh, I'm just I've had a rough day. So therefore, I'm speaking with you in a little bit more direct tone or a more clipped tone. But it's not you. It's just me. Mm-hmm. But we don't communicate that. So then the other partner is like, well, why, why are you being so mean? You know, mm-hmm. and it causes chaos and confusion. Yeah. Whereas you need to just say like, look, I'm overstimulated. And the thing is, when you have kids. Especially when you've now went from one to two to three to four, mm-hmm. you can get overstimulated. It's a lot of noise. It's a lot of things, moving parts. You got yeah. toddlers. You're trying to keep alive <laughs> from doing toddler like things. Right. Um, you get overstimulated. So you have to be able to just be like, whoo, let's just let's take a moment. Mm. It's it's me and you against the world. You know, I'm not mad at you. You're not mad at me. We're just it's a lot. Yeah. How do you take a moment when there's kids around? When they go to bed. Okay. You um, make consistent routines is Mm. what I say. And I always like to tell moms, clients, friends, family, put that baby to bed. Yeah. So you and your husband or you or your partner can have a moment to just look at each other and just say, whew, look at what we done did. (laughs) 18 more years. Exactly. (laughs) Or just have a simple, how are you today? How was your day at work? Mm -hmm. Haven't been able to ask you that because the kids have been going crazy. Mm Mm-hmm. Did you have a good day? Or, you know, just have an adult conversation or, hey, let's just watch a movie. We may sit and fall asleep, but let's just like be together and recognize our relationship still matters. Mm -hmm. We're going through a hard thing, but we're going through a hard thing together. Mm. Let's talk about it. So, yeah, we put the kids to bed. Yeah. And that seems like um, it almost seems like you just have to have a really good foundation from the start. Communication is key. Yeah, yeah. You have to know how to communicate even through the hard stuff. Mm-hmm. Because to say I'm overstimulated, it takes a bit of vulnerability. That to some is it's yeah. gonna be easier yeah. to some than others. Sure, sure, sure. So to have vulnerability with your partner, that's a foundation. You have to communicate. You have to have those hard conversations. Mm-hmm. 
Every conversation is not going to be sunshine and roses. Right. Sometimes y'all going to be looking at each other a little crazy. But you also <laughs> have to know how to come back together after those conversations. How right. do we how do we bring it back together? True. Yeah. And that's what breaks any relationship. And of course, a marriage at that point, you know, families, et cetera. You have to be able to communicate. Yeah. Communicate, communicate, communicate. I feel like your communication uh, awareness mm-hmm. is another big one, mm-hmm. right? Being aware of the situation and, yes. and the things going on, the little yes. behavior shifts and yes. all that stuff. And that only comes with time. Mm-hmm. You have to literally know your partner yeah. to be able to sense those little shifts, which is why with the postpartum and things, usually... I, I'm grateful when they do have a partner because they all immediately pick up on like, oh, you're, you're crying a little bit more often. Mm. You're not as happy. Something mm. is something is off. And they most of the time they're not able to pinpoint it. But just by the especially if a partner comes to me, I'm immediately keyed in because for the fact that you've noticed something, something has shifted. Yeah. You know, and if you're a mom, you're too far in it. Mm-hmm. Like, for example, I just went through my third postpartum period and I now recognize, okay, I know my hormones are crazy. Mm-hmm. I know my hormones for like the first couple of weeks are just all over the place. So my way of handling situations may not be as calm as they normally would, or I may be a little bit more frazzled. Mm. I know that now, three pregnancies in. Yeah. How long does postpartum last usually? I know postpartum, it ranges. Postpartum. I mean, you can be up to a year, past a year. Damn. Because postpartum, it just traditionally, it's the period after you have your baby. While your hormones will settle. Mm -hmm. uh, But postpartum depression can, can, you can be fine. And then six months in, you're like. Again. This is, I'm I'm feeling the weight of this. I'm I'm going down. mm. So I always caution people, just because you're a couple months out and you made it. You're not in the clear. Just, just keep going. <laughs> Make sure everything's fine. You yeah. know, because it, it takes a while. It takes, they say, 18 months for a woman's body to go back to normal mm. after being pregnant. So g- give yourself time. Yeah. And especially if you're a first time mom and you've now made the life transition. Whoo, give yourself some time because you haven't went back to work yet. That's a whole that's a whole different world. Right. Yeah. Patience is key, right? Patience is key. Grace is key. Communication is key. Mm hmm. I should ask my mom about that because I was a C-section baby, but I was also a crying baby. And, you know, my parents were immigrants. They didn't really know anybody at the time. So my dad was off to work and she was just taking care of me and my sister. Yeah. And so like she had like staples in her stomach. Mm -hmm. And when I asked her, I was like, was I was I a crying baby? She's like. That looks me. You are. Yeah. And and that's the thing. You never know what type of baby you will have. Right, right. You know, and just because they're a crying baby doesn't mean it's bad or whatever. That's just their way to communicate with the world. Mm. But a high pitched shriek mm-hmm. to an adult ear. It's a lot. Right. So and every parent's goal is to make sure the baby is not crying. But some babies just that is just how they introduce themselves to the world. It's just they just cry a lot. Yeah. Um, and that's hard. That's going to be hard <laughs> on you. That's going to be hard on your mental. Yeah. She's like, you ripped out staples because I had to pick you up and because you were constantly crying. Oh, yeah, crying. yeah, yeah. It was, it was hard on them. <laughs> this, like, sorry. Mo- motherhood, it, it, it's, it's a hood. Yeah. That's for sure. It, it, it's it's like a, I, I was thinking to myself this last time around. It's like you almost get jumped in. It's almost like a game. Oh, yeah. Because labor, uh, first you have your whole pregnancy. You go mm. through it and your body's changing and all of that, and then you have the whole labor and delivery period, mm-hmm. however that looks. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe you had a C-section and you didn't want a C-section. Like, 
and the recoveries are different. Mm -hmm. And then afterwards you have the baby and you lose and sleep. Like it's, it's a lot. Damn. It's a lot. I was reading up on, you know, babies and how to take care of them and all these things you got to look out for. And I was like, damn, especially like as a newborn, when mm -hmm. they don't have a lot of like their immunity. And, yeah. And, and yeah. It, it's scary. And then you have to think in the pandemic. So Oof. let's throw the pandemic in there because yeah. I did have one during the pandemic, my second. Um, How tough was that for you? Well, for me, mm -hmm. I loved it because I, I like to be isolated anyway with my oh, baby. Okay, so by yeah. default, I had to be. Well, so I guess I was talking about more of like a doctor, like labor, the labor. I love that part because, again, with it being COVID, they didn't want too many people in the room. Oh. So it was, it was minimal. Okay. One nurse stayed with me the whole time. My doctor was there, <laughs> you know, and it, I, I liked it. Yeah. But you also have to think of the anxiety that then comes trying to learn how to parent in a world where we have to be shut inside. Mm. I can't take my baby outside. I don't want to get baby get sick. So I'm stuck in the house, mm -hmm. you know, um, the anxieties that come with that. So the mental labor mm -hmm. of that almost looks different if you had a pandemic baby. Mm. Um, so my clients that'll come to me and they had babies, yeah. maybe their first was during the pandemic. We're almost having a different conversation because the trauma that may be from that, they may have healed physically, but emotionally they may have some, a little bit of trauma from like, I couldn't leave the house with my baby. I was stuck inside. And, mm. and as much as a homebody I am, when you have a baby, you, you got to get out the house a little bit. Yeah. You got to, you got to, got to see the sun just a little bit. Right. Um, or, or, you know, take a leisurely trip to a Starbucks and Target and just have a little bit of you time. So if you couldn't do that, mm -hmm. and then of course the mental weight of motherhood and all the things, you have a little bit of trauma, a little bit of postpartum, a little bit of PTSD. Ooh. So, <laughs> yeah. So, and, and. I say all that to say because I understand that world. Yeah. I knew as my voice as an African-American therapist, I wanted to be able to talk to other moms that were going through it just mm -hmm. to just even if it was just simply to say, I get you. Yeah. I understand you. Do you ever like um, recommend like just going out in nature and getting some sun? And 100% all the time. Like nature induced therapy. I yes. guess you could say. Yes. And yeah. I've, I've had clients that took walks while they did their therapy sessions. They oh. can do both. Nice. I don't care. Yeah. Um, but yes, getting outside and just breathing the air, mm -hmm. taking a second, take it, take it out of motherhood. Just if you had a stressful day at work, mm -hmm. get away from that computer before you send that email that you shouldn't have sent <laughs> um, or responded in a way you should not have. Right. Go outside. I'm yeah. a big advocate for that. You will see me doing that. If I've had a long work day, mm -hmm. I'm walking away from the outlook and the teams and mm. I'm, I'm going outside. Yeah. Especially like someone who's. Uh, mm -hmm. energy based mm -hmm. right uh i think water, water. is yes. such a big part of it too yes um, yes get, get near some water get water take <laughs> take a lap walk around drink some water mm -hmm. do something yeah yeah go to a lake go to a pond anything you know, anything especially if it's warm out so yeah mm -hmm. I'm, I'm big on that yeah i just recently uh saw that water uh predicts what it is um taking in mm. so like if you put a a sunflower seed mm -hmm. in the water and they froze it mm -hmm. and the water replicated a sunflower bloomed uh -huh. already so it predicts what it's gonna water is powerful yeah it really is do you feel like the water is like a, a big part of your life as far as like energy it is for me mm -hmm. i know for me i'm a big after let's say i've had a long day of sessions or 
working in the clinical trial world, a shower for me can be transformative because mm. I think of it as I'm taking these energies off me. Oh, I'm literally clearing negative energies off me. So I've had a bad day or, you know, maybe I'm reading an email the wrong way. Maybe the tone isn't coming through. Mm. I'm going to take a shower at the end of the day just to clear all that out. Yeah. Uh, to me, it, I see water as transformative mm. as a way to just wash away. I mean, in literally washing away dirt, but washing away negative energy, washing away things. So that way you have some clarity. So I can, I feel like when I step out of the shower, I'm like, okay, whew, I can breathe again. Let me relook at this with fresh eyes. Yeah. Do you have to learn that? Cause like as when, from the beginning of your therapy yes. sessions and uh, your career, yeah, yeah. Career, from now, like that's a big, I feel like now I can put words to it. Okay. I feel like I've always naturally like after a long day at work, I would come home at five. The first thing I would do is shower. Uh -huh. Just take a, just I just let me get this energy. Let me get these clothes off. Let me just rid myself of this. Yeah. I now have the words to describe what I'm doing. Gotcha. It's just like I'm clearing this energy out. Yeah. But oh yeah, I've always that seems been hard. Like as a new therapist, that seems just seems hard to uh, to but deal with afterwards. I guess they teach you kind of how to compartmentalize in school. But I would say people that are therapists, they this is their birthright. This is what they were meant to do. So innately, mm -hmm. they have different systems and things in place to help them. Um, also, they probably have their own therapist yeah. to talk about things with. So because you can't bring that home, per se, because as I said, my kids don't care about nothing that I have going on. Yeah. I'm just mom to them. So <laughs> right. I can't be burdened down with, you know, other things. Mm -hmm. I got to be ready to be mom. Yeah. So talking about energy a little bit more. Mm -hmm. uh, did you have. Do you have like a kind of like a, the spirit energy as well? When you say spirit energy, describe like when if you have experiences dealing with the spirit world. Oh, okay. In that sense, I would say for me, I'm more. I've always learned things through dreams, even oh. as a young child. Um, in that respect, mm -hmm. I've always. What do you mean by that? I would say my dreams could be. I get a lot of information from dreams. Okay. Um, sometimes they can fill me in on things that I may not know about mm. or key me into this is where I'm having issues and anxieties about that I may not be addressing. Mm. Um, so I would say my sleep space when I'm able to finally calm mm. and just kind of go into that sleep space is when I would say I'm more attuned to the more spiritual side. I, you know, have my conversations, do my prayers, my meditations and really am listening. Mm. I would say during the day, I'm very good at being busy where I'm not listening in the okay. sense of in a more spiritual sense. Whereas at night, my discernment's going to kick in at night. Mm -hmm. My knowing, my ability to be able to read the room, it automatically kicks in when I'm in a face to face session. Mm. But more so, I would say for my own growth, gotcha. for my own spiritual enhancement, it will kick in more so at night. I would say in the dream space, I have a lot more dreams and ability to navigate life from there but i will say my um journey with the i would say more spiritual aspect i would say now more as a therapist mm -hmm. i'm more in tuned because i i've allowed that part of my life to really inform my life yeah you let yourself open up to it. exactly yeah exactly i'm, I'm letting myself open up to it more and more Mm -hmm. And now it's gotten to the point where, you know, I've had I've had a friend where I met his family 
and three of his family members in spirit. Mm. Um, uh, but it's always been with him, you know, mm -hmm. no, nobody else. Mm -hmm. But recently I've been trying to like be more aware mm. of situations that mm -hmm. happen. So like I was talking to someone last week and, uh, he was talking about his brother that passed and mm. all of a sudden there was like a flash of some guy like just standing right mm. there and uh this described him and he's like that's my brother and he showed me mm. a picture i was like oh yeah that's him i was like huh that's a gift. so like yeah um and i know that there's like places out there that you can learn how to right. control her and, and 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 all that stuff but to to be able to open yourself up in a way that those kind of things happen i feel like is um I don't know. It just, it's a whole new level. <laughs> it is. It's, it's, it's like you've like powered up. Like if you think of like yeah. Mario, like you got that like power up. Mm -hmm. um, when you allow yourself to be your true self in all aspects of that, in coming with your own spiritual gifts and things, you have no choice but to win because I'm operating in alignment. Mm. And yeah. that's the biggest thing, you know? Um, and a lot of times I feel like it's not talked about as much because I feel like a lot of people have gifts and they either write them off or yeah. they've ignored them or they have closed themselves off to it. And I know for me, it was around the time my entire family had caught COVID um, in early 2021 mm -hmm. where I don't know, it was just something about that experience where I was like, you know, I have this discernment and this ability to really read the room accurately. Yeah you're not getting it past me, you know? And sometimes knowing things about people that they may not be ready to tell, um, but I already kind of have that insight. Mm -hmm. And I just decided after going through COVID with my family and, it, and honestly, we went through it fine. We didn't have any issues or anything and That's it was good. fine, but I made the decision. I was like, you know, I really want to grow that part of myself because mm. it's never let me wrong. Mm -hmm. That's the thing. Um, if I get more in alignment with that, I'm going to be more in alignment with who I am as a person. And I have no choice but to succeed. How do you grow that part? First saying yes. Oh. Saying yes. <laughs> saying yes. So I said, um, as a child, I used to have a lot of dreams and different things. And I feel like it would scare me a mm -hmm. lot because, I mean, you're six, seven, eight, you know, talking about dreams and people are like, that's a little weird. What, is, is it particular dreams or is it just no? Just the fact that dreams. you know things you shouldn't know. Oh, as a six, seven, eight year old, and you'd be like, "Oh, well, I dreamed it." You know, that's, yeah. that's people are gonna give you a little side eye. Hmm. Um, so I feel like for me, I've always been intuitive, mm -hmm. and it's helped me throughout my life. But I'd never really attributed certain successes in my life to the fact that I'm just very intuitive, yeah. and I can really read the room and really. You know, if someone is not being honest with me, I can pretty much read through what you're not telling me. Sure. Um, and I started to realize, you know, what if I just said yes to my full self? Mm. What would happen? Mm -hmm. Am I OK with it? And when I say yes, a genuine like, yeah, let me stop blocking myself. Yeah. Let me stop yeah. blocking myself on my journey. Let me. Embrace my full self and see who she is. Mm -hmm. I'll never go back. That's a powerful thing. Yeah, you can't go back after that. You can't. <laughs> but that's also very true. And there's a certain level of once you know a certain amount of things, you can never unknow them. Right. Once you know the ABCs, you can't not not know the ABCs. Right. Um. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, especially dealing with like spirits. And yeah. Stuff like that. Yeah. Like, yeah. I can't say that I don't believe in spirits anymore. You know what I mean? 
Well, with your experiences, <laughs> you would be crazy because you would be denying a part of yourself at that point in time. Uh, yeah, and yeah. that's not being in line. That's not being your true self. Yeah. Being your true self, saying yes to the world. Um, yeah, that's wild. So you have your own business, correct? I do. Um, mm-hmm. And what is it called? It's called Transformative Destiny, PLLC. So it is my counseling practice. It's where people can find me. If they're ready to start their journey, their journey of transformation. That's why I called it transformative destiny, because I knew at the end of the day, what I'm doing in people's lives once we is really transforming. Mm -hmm. I'm really helping you to shift because uh, subconsciously or consciously, you're coming to me because you're ready. Mm -hmm. Um, You're ready to deal with that hurtful thing, that thing, that wound that you've been unable to heal from. You're ready to actually deal with it, heal it, grow from it. You, You ever get somebody that's like. And he, and he's not seeing you, but he needs to see you. Like it, it's, it's, it's become a desperate yeah. thing. <laughs> yeah. I've, I've definitely had people re- that were resistant. Mm. I've had people say, I don't want to cry. I don't want to be emotional. Mm. I don't have emotions. Right. Yeah. And I'll, and I'll say, okay, I'm gonna go with you. <laughs> uh-huh. You ain't got emotions. All right. Let's just talk. Mm-hmm. Sure enough. They got emotions. Yeah. But they need to feel safe. They need to feel trusting mm-hmm. and they need to allow themselves because sometimes those emotions are tied to wounds so deep that if I even open it up just a little bit, the floodgates are going to open. Yeah. So I got to make sure as a therapist, I'm making the space for you to feel comfortable within the relationship that you can open it up. And if you go deep, I'm going I'm to I'm be there with you in the deep. Yeah. So, yeah. So yeah some people say that. Um they're scared to go deep, not because of them, but if the other person can handle it and mm-hmm. stuff like that. And I think if you have a good therapist, then exactly. And the ther- and the thing is with therapy and a good therapist, she, he or she is going to go in the deep with you mm-hmm. and we're not going to leave you in the deep. You're not going to just get in the deep, reopen that wound. And then we're just like, bye. Well, I think that's what people uh, think that's going to happen. No, we're the whole purpose of therapy is we're that life rep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're going to need you to go into the deep because I need to get to the truth and I need you to see the truth of the situation. Mm -hmm. But then I'm going to help. We're going to start pulling you out. But when we pull you out this time, you're going to no longer feel like you need to go into the deep. Mm -hmm. The deep won't feel like it's the deep anymore. You're going to truly be able to say, no, I'm healed from that. thing. Yeah. I feel like you can never live a truly fulfilled life if you haven't healed. Yes, but. The process of healing is what scares a lot of people because to go through something and it to be hurtful is one thing. To relive that trauma is a whole nother thing Mm -hmm. because now I'm choosing to re-hurt myself. Mm -hmm. I'm choosing to deal with that heartbreak or pain or grief or anger. Sometimes a lot of trauma is in anger Mm -hmm. and people write that off Especially with males. Oh, yes. And people write that off as like, oh, I'm just angry, but I'm not hurt. You didn't hurt me. Mm -hmm. No. That anger sometimes is covering up the real hurt and pain Absolutely. and the tears that you refuse to cry. Yeah. But they're there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so. my dad had a, uh, eh, our relationship is, eh. mm-hmm. um, but it was always anger that I saw. I, mm-hmm. The only emotion I ever saw him in, it was anger, anger. growing up. Mm-hmm. I'm like, damn, mm-hmm. it's crazy. And sometimes I would get to the point where I would just all of a sudden just lash out and say something like, I hate you or I don't mm-hmm. like you, I don't know, something like that. And it would, I would see that energy shift in him to depression. Mm. And I was like, ah, there's mm. something different. Mm-hmm. There's something that's true. Mm-hmm. There's the root of the problem. Yes. And that's hard, especially when you notice it, I would say in the older generations, mm-hmm. there's a lot of differences in how I would say our generation and even younger deal with emotions. 
Yeah. Um, especially when it comes to the parental relationship, the familial relationship, and, and especially in certain cultures, it's very much so we give them respect. We don't, yeah, we exactly. don't you know, question mm-hmm. them at any point in time and whatever they say goes right, mm-hmm. wrong. However, where I feel like we're now, we're in a generation now, I would say a lot of times we're questioning. We're not just going with the the typical, this is what was done before. Yeah. And to the older generation, it sometimes sounds disrespectful for you to ask them a question or to call them out. Yeah. Call them um, out. <laughs> but we're very much in the call them out generations. Yeah. It very much. I've seen a shift where it's, you know, you'll hear a lot of families going through where you'll hear someone say, I've went no contact with X, Y, and Z family member. Mm-hmm. That was something I had never heard of prior to, I would say, coming of age. Mm. And, and then, of course, definitely in therapy. And really sitting down with people who, who are like, no, I've went no contact with my dad. Really? Like, how does that work? Right. What led you there? And there's a certain trend that keeps presenting itself. And it's someone in the older generation unwilling to grow with me. Right. I'm now of an age where... I don't like to be talked to in that way, or you make me feel X when you do this. Mm-hmm. And instead of being like, Oh, I didn't realize it made you feel this way. Let me try to shift and let's grow together. It's well, this is how I'm going to treat you. Yeah. So then you'll see a family member say, well, if that's how you're going to treat me, well, then I, I can't have a relationship with you, which is a huge dynamic shift mm-hmm. than what we've seen in the past. Yeah. You, or you just accept it. Right? Yeah. Or you, literally you just accept it and you kind of make yourself smaller in that sense yeah. where a lot yeah. of people aren't, they aren't doing that anymore. Mm-hmm. They're saying, no, I want to be treated like X. You need to treat me like X. And if you don't want to do that, we don't have to have a relationship, yeah. which is, it's, it's a big deal. And like, I often see like on TikTok, I'll see you know mom sometimes getting on there like i don't understand why my daughter won't talk to me or my son i've done everything for them <laughs> and you'll see like certain creators respond like did you really yeah <laughs> i'm sure they told you you know and yeah. i all and i often think about that because like, there is that generational just like a shift because yeah. the generation above us they weren't allowed to question their parents or say mm-hmm. certain things so they just kind of went with they put up with it yeah but then you get to our generation it's like i'm, I'm not putting up with that yeah I know you put up with it with your mom, but I'm not putting up with it with you. Right. So it becomes a whole shift at that point in time. And you have to grow with your kids from this point forward to remain in their lives. Yeah. And that's a, it's a, it's a big ask. Yeah. And like, it's tough. Cause like, you know, I think about my parents and stuff like that, mm-hmm. my dad and stuff like that. You know, it's always been a love hate kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it's always, uh, get mad at him. Um, and then we don't talk mm-hmm. and then we eventually talk again and then get mad and then talk. And yep. It's just a cycle. It's a cycle. And it's like, when do I stop the cycle or mm-hmm. do I stop the cycle and just accept that that that's the way he is. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I will trust that he is going to make this type of mm-hmm. life for me and him and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And, and I always tell clients that fall into that first thing is you have to grieve the reality of the relationship that you have. Because mm-hmm. a lot of times, especially when it comes to the parent relationship, we're seeing it through the Disney lens. I This is how you should be a mom. This is how you should be. a. We're, <laughs> we're going to have this relationship. Yeah. And when it doesn't work out, we keep trying to mold it into that relationship mm-hmm. instead of accepting your parents as humans and realizing, no, this is actually what our relationship is. Mm-hmm. And if I'm not OK with it, I need to grieve the fact that I, I wanted a better mom. I wanted a better dad. I wanted a better relationship. And I'm not going to get that with you. Right. And. 
in order by grieving that you learn to accept mm-hmm. you learn to heal but then you also learn to make a decision mm-hmm. so do i keep this person in my life or do i keep them at arm's length how how is this person then in my life yeah 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 because like not talking to them at all and just yeah so that's a, that's a really big deal it's a it's a they, big, they say it's huge they say it's um it's almost i heard something like you can't live a, a good life if if your parent if you're not in touch with your parents like both mom and dad and stuff like that and i don't want to say good life but yeah yeah no it, it's it's a big one yeah. so whenever i encounter people that are in that type of that's what they want to work on mm-hmm. that's the journey yeah because your parents are who made you mm-hmm. Um, and they're a big part of your childhood yeah. by default. Yeah. Um, and to say you're going to go no, no contact with them, that's like cutting out a part of yourself. Mm. So you have to like if, and obviously if the parent is toxic and abusing you, like, yeah, uh, you know, it's a, it's, it's, a, it's a clear situation mm. there. Whereas it's more of like, we just don't talk to each other. Great. Like, it's just not, I don't feel good after our interaction, <laughs> right. you know? Yeah. And it's it's then well well is the parent willing to work with you are mm-hmm. they willing to understand you know because it's hurtful the parents often find it hurtful for you to be like oh well it really hurt me when you did this through this when i was eight to ten years old and i'm mm-hmm. not okay with it yeah you know sometimes there's a oh well you don't remember it right or just taking accountability is a big thing for people Huge. in general Huge. parents relationships friendships accountability is huge yeah so to find yourself in a place where you need someone of importance Mm -hmm. to take accountability and they're not willing to that's when you need to be finding your nearest therapist because we need you need to be talking about how you handle that hurt and pain how you deal with it and then how you're able to heal yourself to the point where your your children you're not repeating the same thing with your children right because you may think you're not repeating it but you may or may not be yeah yeah, it's especially hard for immigrant parents. Mm. My God, like my I parents came imagine. from Venezuela, right? Mm-hmm. So like they have Venez- uh, Latino families in general. They come from a place of I want to be like this is when I was little and stuff mm-hmm. like that. I want to be the what the white man has, mm. right? Mm-hmm. And so they strive for that. All mm-hmm. they do, like growing up, my first language was Spanish, mm. and then my dad was like, "You got to learn English. Don't talk Spanish." And then mm. I lost my Spanish. Yikes. And then uh, we, they were trying to be Americans while I was trying to be an American and trying to figure it out. And so it was just this whole dynamic thing that they have. They have this idea of being the white man or being mm-hmm. the white woman mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. That just doesn't really correlate mm. with their own life. It's like they're not living their full life because of that. Absolutely. And I know that's often talked about with in counseling immigrants especially because Mm. you have your own culture that you come from and depending on the age at which you have left your culture it's very within you yeah and then the american culture is very individualized Mm -hmm. in a way a lot of cultures are not um so you're trying to kind of marry the two together and it's hard (laughs) because there's also this huge language barrier that presents a whole other issue Mm -hmm. um and then also you have to think in america it's hard being a minority Mm -hmm. As much as you may strive to attain, oh, I want to be seen and looked at a certain way, your skin color or your ethnic features are what presents first. Yeah. So you, and until you're able to embrace that, Mm -hmm. 
you're constantly going to be fighting a battle amongst yourself, who you are, your identity, trying to be somebody else, trying to fit in what your family wants. Like you're fighting on all fronts. Mm -hmm. And that's hard. It is very hard. Well, I appreciate you coming by. Of course. (laughs) Of course. I feel like we can talk all day. Yeah. Uh, Why don't you tell everybody kind of like where they can find you? So you guys can find me at transformativedestiny.com. Um, you can also email me at Tiffany at transformativedestiny.com. I'm also on all social media, so you can find me on Facebook, Instagram. Hit me up if you're ready to start your work. I'm ready. Change your life with Tiffany. <laughs> <laughs> Not change your life, but change your life. <laughs> right. Yeah. All right, cool. That's it. <laughs> Thank you.